Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Talk Easy, a show around conversations with the people shaping our culture today. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. For episode 27 of the podcast, we have the brilliant hip-hop producer and instrumentalist Ringo Enchetta, otherwise known by his stage name, Mind Design. Born in San Diego, but raised in New Jersey, Ringo is one of the premier producers in modern hip-hop. With over a half-dozen albums to his name, Stone's Throw, the record label responsible for catapulting the careers of Jay Dilla, Madlib, and A.O. Black, saw something in Ringo early on. And what they probably saw was what many of us see, a musician whose music is not bound by genre. Even the label hip-hop producer seemed not quite fair when I said it 30 seconds ago. Mind Design sounds are a mix of Tri-Called Quest Golden Age Rap, Bobby Humphrey Old Soul Records, and James Brown Funk. It's Les McCann and Tori Imois. It's Michael Jackson and Phoenix. It's where the old meets the new to turn into the now. His latest record titled Body Wash is further evidence of Mind Design's dexterity. Just look at the first two tracks. It opens with the song called Overture. Here's a sample. And then those elements of jazz morph into cosmic perspective, 
a four-minute modern disco track that you can't help dance to. It goes something like this. This past weekend, I drove over to Ringo's place to talk about everything under the sun. From making beats as a child, to his process when it comes to laying down a track, to the effects psychedelics have had on his music and on him. But first, we start by getting to the truth of his origin story, which over the years has turned into pretty wild fiction. So, finally, here is Mind Design. So should we start off just dispelling? The, <laughs> the, I'll, just, I'll just read what they have on there, mm. and then we'll get rid of it. Okay, Does that sound good. Yeah, yeah, okay, for sure. So uh, I don't know who wrote this shit. Um, they said mind design is, present, uh, is pronounced mind design, although the law calls him Ringo. He's an anomaly among hip hop producers. Not raised in the suburbs on a steady diet of video games and hip hop, but in the forest like a beast. You wrote that, right? Huh? <laughs> I wrote that? Someone wrote that. Like a beast. His parents <laughs> were members of the Philippine arm of the Om Supreme Truth cult, whose venture into terrorist activity caused them to flee the group in the late 1980s. They were granted political asylum in the U.S. and settled in rural New Jersey, where Anchetta was raised on the outskirts of a commune without electricity while his father worked as a researcher at Princeton Neuroscience Institute. Okay. So, that's interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting backstory. <laughs> it is interesting. It would be super interesting if it was true. Okay. So, um, is any of that true? Oh. Uh, Maybe about like 25% of it okay. is true. What 25%? <laughs> oh, I did grow up in, in Jersey. It wasn't rural, but it was actually, uh, it was a, it was a pretty small town. It was called Washington Township. It's on, um, it's the southern part of Jersey. Like it was, it took about 20 minutes to get to Philly. So I guess I was more in that, wow, that area rather than, cause when I say Jersey, a lot of people think like, oh yeah, you're close to New York, but. Right. I mean, I guess it you know, was still pretty close, but Philly was like the nearby city. Would you be going to Philly instead of New York yeah, as a kid? Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Actually, not even when I was a kid. It wasn't until like I was in out of high school where I really started like venturing off and seeing what was good in the city. Yeah. I mean, what what part of the like? What did your parents do growing up? Um, my mom always just worked a bunch of odd jobs just to, you know, make sure that, um, she was making ends. Me and my dad was always, he was always taking uh, machinist positions cause that's what he graduated, um, studying was machinery. Mm-hmm. So until this day, he's still like making random, like crazy metal parts. 
He'll come home and be like, look what I made today. I'm like, damn, I don't <laughs> even know what that is, but that looks tight. Does it have a function or does it just like, yeah, look like cool? he would work for different companies, like, uh, places that made parts for like planes and stuff. And uh. I don't know where, where he's at now, but he's definitely still in that field. Mm. Yeah. So he didn't work at Princeton? No, I don't even think he's been to Princeton. <laughs> I don't even think he's passed through. What? Okay. So I, I, like, how did this even get started? Like, it's just so fascinating that uh, oh, man. Like, this like narrative. Okay, the cult thing. Oh man, it's it's all. Did, did, I, did you like say that once? Really? I got accredited all to uh, to Jeff Jank of Stones Throw, which is huh. the, the art director of Stones Stones Throw. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, um, I gave him like some bits of information to make a bio out of, and he was like, What if I just like make, make some shit up? And I was like, All right, dude, you're crazy. You'll probably make some cool shit up. And then like, it was that, and I was like, Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, cause I didn't, I don't know. Uh, my family's been through some shit, and I feel like, I don't know, I, did, I didn't mind it being, you know, covered by like some like fictional shit mm. but uh yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it well Let's so see. do you feel like like would your parents as a kid growing up like cause my dad and all my family he was the only one of his kids that was born here he was like the anchor child back so my family's from mexico mm. so when the law was like if you have a kid here even if you're not uh, citizens he's a citizen and everyone can come over yeah. So like I had my dad had two brothers, uh, one brother and two sisters, and they all came over here legally because he was born here. So he'd always tell me like these stories about my grandpa crossing mm. the border and my grandpa, uh, rest in peace. Like he came over in this area and got thrown back, and I heard stories like he got thrown back like four times, man. Yeah. And then he came back, and they would like shave his fucking head and mark him so that they know that you've been here before. Damn. So, like, hearing that, like, I had a nice childhood, especially in contrast to that. So, like, what would your parents say growing up to you about, like, their upbringing? Oh, man. They they would disclose random information, like, throughout my childhood. They never really, like, sat down and, like, told me stories, (laughs) you know? Like, it would just be random. Like, a lot of them were, like, ghost stories because my... uh, my mom, where she grew up in Manila, it was actually like right next to a cemetery where a lot of kids would go play and um, they would like <laughs> sometimes like interact with like spirits that would like dwell there at night. And like it just seemed like the spirit world was a lot more like blended in with the physical world where she grew up, mm. like a lot of supernatural experiences out there. So I kind of had like a scary like <laughs> perception of of what the Philippines was like when I was younger, but I knew like, yeah, it ain't it ain't easy over in Manila, especially when I got to see it for myself like a couple of years ago. We were staying in Manila for the tour, the Asia tour that we had huh. done, and uh, whoo, it's yeah, poverty's a real ass thing, mm. and to know that my parents made it out of that is is very humbling. Yeah, I can so, imagine also you being there must have been like kind of overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. It was like grandma's just like sleeping on the corner, like right around the, the, the corner of the hotel that we were staying at, just like homeless old ass people 
just like knocked out. No, no tent, no nothing. nothing. They, were, they just needed to lay down and pass out. Yeah. And I was just like, man, so raw. Like, you know, out here you got like old homeless people opening doors for you. Like, can I get some change out there? It's like a seven year old kid with just like shorts on and he's mm-hmm. like trying to get some change. It's just like, damn. And, and le- again, like to know that my parents like, Mm-hmm. made it out and like you know tried to seek something better is like super humbling you was know? your mom the one who like told those stories more or was your dad also yeah that? i think it was it was more more so from my mom's side was your dad pretty reserved yeah definitely for sure mm-hmm. he was just always like in the cut like smoking a cigarette and uh. thinking about horse races he was also an avid gambler ah <laughs> yeah i understand my mom's side of the family still actually has that house. So like whenever we plan on visiting back at that, that house oh, back that she grew up in. And, um, you guys haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet. It's, it's weird. She hasn't really gone back too, too often. Like since she's been out here for that man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But sure. yeah, I'm a little like apprehensive. I'm like, I ain't trying to wake up and see like some, some ghost figure like what are you doing in my home yeah there's no ghost figures in LA really (laughs) there's not not too much of that but it's like it's kind of crazy when you think about it because like like so many spirits just like dwelling that that land I mean like on this land too but it's just a lot smaller and more compact and and manila and like are you someone who believes in like spirits roaming uh I, I yeah definitely especially um, under the circumstances that the Philippines had gone through, like just being colonized and people just being raped and pillaged and a new civilization built on top of that. There's like, you know, there's weird energy there in, in the form of something, be it ghost or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's, it's a dark history out there. When you were growing up in New Jersey, like pretty removed from that, did you look at like what was your headspace like? Like, what were you, were you looking at your parents and thinking, "I want you wanted to be like them, or you wanted to no, have a life like them"? No, I was you, always in my own little world. Yeah, I was just it was like constant imagination. You know, would like I remember having friends with like or imaginary friends with like characters and books that I had read and like legit. What were their names? I don't remember. I don't remember. The, it was like early. I don't even know how I remember this shit, but yeah, I'd like I was like homies with like the characters in the books. And like, even if I wasn't reading it, I felt like they were around. Mm. Like, it's really crazy. I, I mean, it was mostly just like my brothers and sisters around. How many brothers and sisters? Um, I got two sisters and one brother. So oh. there's four of us all together. I'm, I'm the youngest of the oh, okay. four. My brother being the oldest. And, uh, yeah, I was more of a, uh, kick it with my siblings or stay at home type of type of kid mm-hmm. yeah even as i got older like into middle school and high school like kids would be knocking on my door like yo you trying to come out I'm like no nah, i'm chilling you would open the door <laughs> you'd open the door and say yeah. yeah or sometimes my mom would do it for me oh. <laughs> oh. i'm like i'm not chilling. Tell them I'm not home. Did you not? <laughs> did you just not want to make friends? Like, so people wanted to hang out, and you, yeah, were, and you were turning them down. I guess I just wasn't really trying to like do what they were doing. I was like either like trying to make beats or like trying to watch b boy videos and like learn moves. Right. At know? middle school, you were making beats. Uh, like towards the tail end of middle school, I'd say like from fifth grade to about like ninth grade, I was like b boying 
a lot and my headspace was more into that's, dancing that's the dance break dancing right yeah yeah what what got you into that that seemed like a random thing to um into. it was a mixture my older brother was doing it before i was and he was doing it with my cousin and i think they had linked up with like some other filipino cats that were like from another part of town and who were also like starting to b-boy and they all kind of just like knew each other and uh we're in the same circle and i feel like that eventually like trickled down to the younger generation like the younger brothers of uh you know that crew and um yeah it was just being around those type of cats like were you good at it i was all right yeah <laughs> i was i was pretty dedicated but yeah i was i was pretty decent i was more on on the style mm. side of things where back then uh you had like your style heads and then you had like the power heads who were just like doing flips and spinning all the time and, shit. and your style yeah it was just like all like technical shit uh, <laughs> but uh yeah so you're doing that and also making beats at the same time yeah did someone do one of your brothers make beats or yeah you... my older brother daryl he uh who actually lives with me still he's out here he uh he was making beats on fruity loops and uh what's that it's like you mean the food for you don't mean the food oh no it's a software uh beat making software that a lot of people actually still use today and i started out using it you could like you can get it for free on the website and then um you can export shit so essentially i didn't have to buy anything at first like i was just i just downloaded the demo made beats and then uh and then like once i hit x it was like gone Huh. Like I was just exporting, but yeah, Daryl, he was doing that shit and like rapping with my cousins. So I kind of like looked up to them. That was like my first like exposure of like you know, rapping and and making beats and just like hip hop and you know, ex- really just expressing yourself. Like that's what they were doing. They were just like writing about whatever the fuck. And I thought that was tight. Do you remember the first joint you made? Mm, yeah, it might actually be on the internet still. Really? Yeah. It's, I used to use this site called SoundClick. This is pre-SoundCloud. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on there still because I don't remember the password. Oh, so you can't like, delete it? Yeah, it's like forever. That's funny. I have <laughs> a video like that on online that I'm like, oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I begged YouTube, please delete that video. Yeah. Actually, I, might, I don't want people to look that up now. It's cool. It's like yeah. uh, one day we're going to look back at the internet like it's a museum, you know? See, I always think about it. Like, it's true that it's cool. Like, it seems everything's written in ink mm-hmm. a little bit but it's also written in ink and sometimes I wish it was pencil because, you know, I've done shit that I'm like not psyched about now. Right, right. But that first beat, I'm sure, like, did it it have, was it funky or was it like hip-hop? It was was very rigid and like commercial hip-hop. Yeah, it sounded like a wannabe, like G-Unit, 50 Cent type stuff. Mm. What happened to that? (laughs) What happened to 50 Cent and G-Unit? 
Yo, I don't know. Last time I seen, uh, it was like a picture of him like malnourished on the internet. I think he was like, <laughs> I think he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what a great word to describe. Yeah, he was, uh, I think he was like doing some role, like some character development for a role and he had to like lose mad weight. So that's like the last place yeah. that I heard 50 Cent. Was there a moment in high school that you were making stuff and people started looking to you and being like, man, this shit's fire. This is good. <laughs> um, I think like ninth or 10th grade, I made a mixtape. Oh, what I was it like, called? Oh my God. And there you got that title. No, I, for, I forget. I remember what the, I did the cover in Photoshop. It was like black and white. And like, I think it might've had a picture of me and like, it was just mad, like grungy looking, <laughs> but it was a mixtape of like remixes that I had done. I think I made like 20 copies to like hand out school <laughs> and uh yeah people were feeling it it was cool nobody was really doing that like at the time and in, in, in the town that i was in like it was so small town was your whole life music at that time like were you good at school no yeah i was terrible at school actually <laughs> Whoo, i sucked man it was really bad what um, would your teacher say to you well i mean it varied because like if you looked at my report card, you would know, like, what, what classes I was, like, really just a natural at. And it was really just, like, the classes that kind of didn't matter. It was, like, art and, like, uh, music production or, like, graphic design. Like, that, those would be the classes that I would always ace. But, it, like, if you looked at, like, science and, like, math and shit, I was, like, not failing, but, like, you know, not really that, that great at it. So you're distributing these mixtapes. I wish we knew the name for that. I bet it was. Man. Is it Someone's got to have a copy of that. Someone's. Dude, well, you, you made 20. Yeah. Kid, I, I remember seeing kids like kicking the CD around in the hallway too. So there, it wasn't completely embraced. Like, oh, they were kick. Oh. Yeah. See, I thought you meant like they were kicking it to it no <laughs> like they were not kicking people it people were they enjoying were kicking it. it around yeah i was about to be really happy for you no nah, yeah i mean like there, i had the homies that supported it and then like i remember i was walking to you know i was, I was in between classes and like this yeah. shit was getting kicked around Fuck. and i was like yeah that's my cd <laughs> did, how did that make you feel uh that didn't like do any damage on my like confidence i wasn't like oh Music sucks. I was just like, fuck that kid, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, yo, that kid sucks. But you should have um, went up to him and been like, hey. I felt bad though, man, because like, like a year or two later, like he like passed away, like in a car accident, and uh, I was like, I can't really hate that kid anymore. You know, rest in peace. I think that wasn't my homie. It was like a homie's homie, right? But, it, it but was, you you remember this moment pretty vividly. Yeah, like because someone, he passed away, and like my only like relationship with him was like, that oh, that's the CD? kid that was kicking my CD around. I was just like, this is weird. So, so <laughs> you had a mix of sadness because he died and anger because he didn't respect your first <laughs> I mix. I don't know. Yeah, I was over the CD thing at that point. That's tough. So when does the first? Because uh, how old are you? Um. Turning 28, actually, on 5th, which is, like, this week, right? I think. October 5th? Yeah, October 5th. Oh, shit. Well, hey, man. So, I'm turning 28. How do you feel about that? It's cool. Yeah? I feel like I'm doing pretty well. 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> when did the first uh, mixtape come out? Um, I used to make beats for um, this rapper named Personify in Jersey. Huh. Um, was he good? was actually just the homie. Like he was a he was an older cat, and he went to school with my older cousin. And I always knew that he rapped. And it wasn't until like, um, I think, I guess at this point, this was like after high school. But uh, we created a group called like Soul Quest. Great name. <laughs> dude, dude, you're so close to like, the, what was the uh, Soul Aquarians? There you go. Yeah. Not that you're on <laughs> Badu and D'Angelo's level, but dude, that, Soul Quest. Yeah. And then there was like a singer. Um, so there was like the three of us and we, we would do shows. We would do a lot of shows in, uh, in Philly actually. And, uh, that was like the first time where, um, some of my other non music related peers were like, Oh, he's like actually like trying to do something with it. Mm. And, um, did your parents think, Oh, wow. Nah, they weren't really convinced at that point. At that point, like they were just like, Oh, he's just doing his little music thing. So you didn't go to college. I went to like a tech school. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't go to university. I went to a school called Institute of Audio Research oh. in Manhattan. Um, that and that was good. just like a nine nine month program, you know. And uh, yeah, I didn't move there, so like I was commuting like three three hours each way from <sighs> South Jersey, like five days a week. Just that's, wait, wow, that's 30 hours a week. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Being like, on the train. That's literally, you lost a day. Yeah. You lost a day and some change. Yeah. But, you know, I would spend a lot of that train time just like reading and uh, right. listening to music. So there's a lot of like, you know, solo time. When you were in New York, did you think to yourself, oh, I, I could make it here? Like, I could be in a big city and like do something like this? Um, Kind of, yeah. Like, it was a huge culture shock at first because, like, growing up in a small town, you kind of have, like, a, you know, you grow up with kind of, like, a small mind. And then you go to a city like that and, you like, it expands. And, is it uh, a small mind or is it just, like, a different mind? It's definitely a different mind. It's not necessarily... Small mind feels like <laughs> people are dumb. <laughs> True. True. Maybe not small, but, yeah just tuned into a different channel, you know? Um, but yeah, New York was cool. I didn't really feel like, uh, it was a place that I could just live and like belong, but it was cool. I made some pretty cool friends going to that school. Mm. And, Where do you yeah. feel like you first belong? Cause you're making music. That's not popular, mm -hmm. I guess. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I, what the term would be. Yeah. But like it's, it's not, mainstream right certainly yeah. like i have friends who think your music is like the best like right now that's awesome best thing on Word. and then i have friends who are like i don't know what the fuck this is <laughs> and i get like it's an interesting spectrum yeah to me. yeah so when did you first feel that you were part of something that you were comfortable in oh i guess it was uh like in 2000 2008 2009 is when i met knowledge um who's another beat maker from yeah, incredible from jersey but I, he was living in philly at the time and it was through him that i met Susie analog who's a singer from uh, virginia but she was living in philly and going to school there 
and uh, they had known this dude, Devin Who, that lived in Portland, and um, he was also making beats. So we were all like, always like trading stuff on the oh. internet. It was like the MySpace days, like, you know. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, that kind of helped us uh, just find our, our sound and like give us a sense of, I guess, belonging or whatever. But we were all just making like the same type of stuff coincidentally at the time. Mm. We were like, oh, this is tight. We should like call it something. So we like had like a really short-lived collective called Clip Mode, which was taken from um, like in the software Ableton that I use. There's this like mode where you, you're just triggering clips, and oh. we all used Ableton at the time, so it made sense to, to call it. Like a good cool <laughs> meta, meta name. Yeah, yeah, Clip Mode. I guess it was kind of a flip off of a uh, Flip Mode too, yeah. like uh, Buster Rhymes and uh, Spliff Star and shit. People are from all over the place that yeah. you're working with. It, it's it's funny because you kind of got to do the thing you were doing as a kid again. Yeah, like you were still in your room. Right, like you didn't have to go out. Exactly, we work, found each other to we work like, with your friend. Like they were just like you found them online. Yeah, and you yeah. Could still sit there. <laughs> exactly, it was tight, man. Um, yeah. So, are you would you call yourself like an introverted person? Uh, more yeah, more so than outroverted, but. I have my moments, mm. you know, switches up every now and then. Moments when you want to like be more social. Yeah. Well, I gotta, I guess I have to be like outrovert when I'm performing. <laughs> oh, do you? I don't know. I don't know. It's just you up there. Yeah. Well, now I've been, I've been playing with a band lately. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, with a bass player and a keys player. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a definitely a different experience than, just being up there like DJing by yourself. Yeah. I'm sure. Just playing beats. But I don't know. Yeah. How did you manage to like spread the word of that? Because a lot of people are making stuff on Bandcamp and a lot of it goes unseen or I mean unheard. Yeah. I didn't really, I wasn't really the best at it. I was just like tweet it or like, <laughs> yeah, I think at the time all I had was like Twitter and like I would just tweet a link and like, uh, yeah, people caught on. I guess the music kind of just spoke for itself. Oh, that's you know? nice. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Yeah, when, definitely. When you can just like stick to actual right. work. Like all I had to do was post a link and like, you know, even if it was just a few listeners, like at, at least those people would be engaged. Mm-hmm. So. Have you ever felt like you've been part of a project that you didn't want to do? You didn't like believe in? Um, I mean... Not necessarily that the early one that I was telling you about, the Soul Quest thing, that was probably like the closest thing where like I reached a point where I was like, I kind of just want to do my own thing, you know? But, um, yeah, I guess that was like the, uh, catalyst for me just really making that statement within myself. Like, I'm only going to do things that I want to do, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if I don't feel like doing it, then I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. So I guess early on, like, I kind of like, put that in check i think a lot of people are fascinated i always look online because I'll, I'll look up you know um old jay dilla stuff or i'll look up um 
like Mad Lib stuff mm-hmm. or knowledge even. Mm-hmm. And people are so fascinated in seeing. I think you did that show where you made it like beat the clock or some shit like that. Yeah, we have to make it beat in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, people seem to be really fascinated by how you do that because I think it it appears kind. Of, it seems like it should be easy, but I know mm. it's incredibly difficult. Mm. So, what's your sort of research process like in making a beat? Is it just like you're listening to stuff and you're like, oh, that's great. I need I need to hook that. Yeah, uh, I don't really. Sometimes I I conceptualize something beforehand before I start compiling something, but for the most part, I'm always making something every day. So it's eventually going to accumulate into like a body of work that I can later like kind of like string together into some kind of like cohesive, uh, train of thought. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's a balance of like conceptualizing and just like compiling shit that I've already been making um when do you find that you're most creative um i don't know man like maybe like are you someone who stays i stay up like you're ridiculous i'm up at like three or four yeah right now it's kind of cool because i've been like really jet lagged from traveling so my schedule's been kind of weird and i've been able to like be up during the wee hours which i've found to be the best time to be creative is like 4 a.m you know, four or five a.m. If you can make it that that far, you can make it. It's just getting up the next day. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta make sure you're not doing shit the next day or right. the next morning. But uh, yeah, do you know when you have something that hits? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like if it if I dig it, then I you know I'm sure someone else that is like me or that is akin to me. Mm-hmm. We'll probably dig it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really speak on like the larger audience. Just like if I, if I like it, then, then it's a hit to me. Are you someone who goes, uh, like his Q-tip, he'll constantly be at like every, every, I think twice a week or something he always talks about. He goes to the record store mm-hmm. and just like picks out a bunch of stuff that he likes. Like mm-hmm. not that he likes, that he looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you do that stuff? yeah definitely um yeah there's some spots in la um i'm usually pretty like sparse with the digging though like i feel like there's a certain percentage of records that i still haven't listened to Hmm. so i like digging at home too and like rediscovering what i already have yeah you could find a lot of crazy shit that way just like even if you have heard it already it it could sound different to you like 10 years later so definitely do you use spotify Mm-hmm. You Spotify, YouTube is the shit too. I like digging on YouTube. Yeah, you find strange stuff on YouTube. Dude, it's crazy, man. Like Farther live performances or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Best live performance. I'm, I'm, I want to talk about this because I don't know if you've seen it. Do you like Nina Simone? Yeah. Uh, have you seen that performance she does of the song, uh, Stars and, uh, other so. song called Feeling? It's like a 24 minute video. Mm. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah. It's like, Hell yeah. Like the best thing I've seen all year. It's yeah. so, she's, I don't know. That's what I love YouTube for is because you see these people that you've loved at an interesting, yeah. she's like fascinating. She's yeah. also very troubled and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just cool that, that it's probably like the best archive right now. It is. Like the yeah. latest best archive. What genre would you classify like your music in? Does that, I've, I've thought about it. I'm like, it's kind of, 
hits uh, all over. Yeah, I've I don't know. Which man. is by the like it's a fucking great it's thing. It's definitely like black music. It's black. It's a derivative of black music. You know, every a lot of things that I've been inspired by has been from uh, black American music. You know, so I feel like that's probably the most encompassing way of describing it. You know, whether it's like I don't know, soul, jazz, or funk, hip hop, gospel. That's all black American music. Yeah, and then you also sample... Like I was looking at just the stuff that you're tapping into, and you have like Tori Mon, you have Phoenix, and mm-hmm. uh, a pretty wide range of of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it really just whatever is making sense. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of stuff derives from, or a lot of stuff that I particularly like personally vibe with is derivative of like blues and soul, you know. And jazz or whatever you want to call it. It's <laughs> a good uh, air quote. <laughs> so yeah. Was Jay Dilla like the the thing you were looking at when you were growing up or even now? Um yeah, throughout high school, like definitely I I come from the beat making cloth, you know. A lot of other people will say that they were in bands or they grew up like taking private lessons or whatever as much as i wish that there was elements of those in my childhood like i just came from like my brother showing me software and then like you know sequencing beats and sampling stuff um shit i totally lost train of thought what were we talking about jay dilla (laughs) oh jay dilla yeah yeah Yeah, man if you're a beat maker and you missed out on the day the jay dilla train like you need to do your homework because that's like the god right there as far as like beat making goes kanye uh i think in that stone's throw documentary did you see that yeah i forget what he says he said dilla every time it's like that kick just sat so perfectly and like the um his swings his shuffles on his beats, his snare choices, his, the way he sample shit, it was just like, it just sounded like, felt like drugs. I mean, his music just sounded like good pussy. Yeah. What is, definitely what is your music? <laughs> oh, man. I have a theory, if you want to hear my theory. Oh, all right. Uh, I want to hear yours as well. It's like a... It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet that you can't get sick from. <laughs> if Jay Dilla's music is like <laughs> it's like good pussy, then then my music is like a good ass buffet. But you can't get like food poisoning and like you can't get full. Wow, now that's good. Or that's just what I hope it's like. That's better than mine. Fuck, yeah. that's, that's, well, yeah, yours uh, that that's good. <laughs> I had a totally different, <laughs> totally different. Did you go deep with it? No, mine was a happy meal. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um not I wouldn't say deep, okay. You know what it is to me? And I'll be honest, like I didn't really discover your stuff until like a month and a half ago. Cool. And it's been 
like a constant. Like I've, it's kind of crazy the amount. Um, it's like when I got into Dilla or, or other folks. I kind of think it sounds like falling in love. Mm. I think it, <laughs> that's it, way better. Than I think the it sounds like that moment where you feel completely hypnotized by someone. Wow. And I, I feel that. I, I don't know. There's a few songs that I can point to for that. Wow. Especially. That's how I feel about it. That's cool, man. I can definitely agree with that. But I, like, I never I, really I like, thought about it like that, you know? I like the food analogy, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind's at. I'm hungry, man. Nah. Um, yeah, that's tight, dude. That's really good because I feel like, yeah, there is a sense of that that I try to, like, convey. Well, especially that, you know, what's it called? Like, bevy? Or bevy? Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. I think that's about I like maybe my <laughs> I play that on just constant repeat. Yeah, that's a mantra. I don't know. Sure. I don't know why that one. There's something about that. That's cool. Do you have favorite tracks here? Um. It's kind of always, always changing. I even have like phases where I just don't even like my music at all. And I don't like feel, I don't like hate myself for it. I'm just like, I know that this is like a phase where I just, I should probably be listening to something else or doing something else, Mm. you know? So you're not like Kanye in your house, blaring and stuff? (laughs) Nah, unless I'm making something, not really. I kind of, yeah. Cause I just want to save it all, you know? I don't want people to get tired of it, especially if you live in, you live with me like mm. i want to like kind of like let you hear as l- less of it as uh-huh. you can you know the least of it but what happens at like a party if someone puts a song on of yours and you're there <laughs> i'm like hey <laughs> no uh i'm just vibing man yeah do you feel like it's a little embarrassing it is right it's like if someone were to like randomly play a video of you dancing like yo remember when you were dancing at that party people Everyone have done peed? that to me yeah <laughs> you could have been killing it at the party but it's like i'm not really trying to watch myself dance yeah. right now. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right what is it about the things that we create and put out into the world like it's cool that i'm doing it yeah yeah but i don't want to see other people yeah like, experiencing experience it, right? it it's like yo it's a personal experience like experience that on your own but yeah. then but you're at concerts so you have to yeah, totally. But it's, I guess that's different because you're you're imme- you're in the immediate yeah, of doing yeah. it. It's not like a record people are hearing, right? Right. Where you're not like actually making it in real time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's different. I don't mind that as much. Do you think we're just scared of people not liking it? Probably, man. It's probably a fear. I don't know. I'm very afraid. No, I'm just <laughs> it's it's all G. Like, you yeah. seem someone not faced by a whole bunch. <laughs> you seem like pretty even keel. Or, um, did you yeah, see maybe. the uh, Trump? Uh, did you see the debate the other night? No, I heard about it though. Uh, there's a great line. He talks about how he has a better temperament than Hillary Clinton. <laughs> He's yelling. He's like, I have a better temperament as he yells. <laughs> but your temperament's like, yeah, man. That's where you gotta keep it. Just is that, don't... Is, have you always been that way? Um, no. I probably. I think psychedelics had a lot of had a lot to do with me and my 
temper. <laughs> ah, like they've calmed it. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, I was. I had a really short temper, like throughout school. Like I would get into fights and stuff. Ah. Um. Yeah, I don't know why, but I've chilled out over the years. You were like, probably angry. No, I was happy, and that's why I was confused. No, oh, I'm just <laughs> That's yeah, you, you're happy, but you still you still wanted to fight. It was, a, it was a happy fighting. No, I get it. No, yeah, uh, yeah so aggression. Let me ask you, did the psychedelics like did the uh, psychedelics lead you to like uh, a realization? Of yeah, some, of, of some kind. Um, yeah, before I had done it for the first time, I was reading a lot about like 2012 and the global consciousness shift. I was reading a lot of David Icke. I don't know if you're familiar I'm with not. that author. Um, Who's that? And he was this, uh, he used, I think he used to be like a sports newscaster, but he took a trip out to Peru and did like ayahuasca or something. And like, I don't know where it was able to like tap in, uh, all of this like different, um, occult information that has been hidden from us. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I was reading a lot of a lot of his books and uh, all of this culminating to the first time I did psychedelics. I when I finally did it and I felt like like an enlightenment. <laughs> I remember being like, "Yo, 2012, man, I made it!" <laughs> like it was a thing to like make. Like I made it, man. Like I made it to the other side. But I think what I was experiencing was just like awareness. You know, like once you're aware, you can't go back like you're just forever aware what was your first trip like um it was at uh that guy that rapper's house personified that i mentioned oh, okay. earlier uh super homie and he was the one that um you know was like you know i have these if you're trying to experience that and uh it was really it was just really enlightening you know like some people trip out and they see like crazy visuals but like i had like a really personal um like just really powerful personal revelation about my life and and just life in general outside of who i am it was really mature it was like damn that was crazy that i was like ready for all that you know so did you have the realization one that i had um was like oh man it's kind of astonishing the amount of time we constantly worry about things that don't mean anything at all like you could argue you can do the nihilistic like nothing matters right um that's a lauren hill song <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh i don't i don't really buy that but I, I think i think we'd make things matter but like we spend so much time on a day-to-day worrying about shit that's like <coughs> so <Yeah>. irrelevant <laughs> totally it's just a time suck I don't know. That's yeah. one of the first when I was doing that. Yeah, I I feel I'm, I'm. If it wasn't the first time, like it was definitely one of those first times where I had that same realization. Where it's just like you, it's such a it's a waste of time to be worrying about things that you don't need to worry about, and there's very little that you actually need to worry about. You know, mm. because like I don't know. Sometimes you just feel that like everything's gonna be okay mantra within you and it. And it rings true, you know? So it's like, you gotta like not forget that. Just always remember that it'll be okay. What things do you worry about? Um, I don't really, I don't really worry. You're not gonna tell me you don't worry. There's nothing? I I have anxiety. 
um, about things, but I, I wouldn't necessarily classify to, that as a worry. Um, what do you have anxiety about? Like, uh, you know, emails. Ah. <laughs> and, uh. That's where you got your homie. Like, having, <laughs> exactly. My man. Um, what else do I have? Money gives me anxiety. Whether it's a lack of money or an abundance of money, I feel like that's like a, a and you've, true. You've had both. Yeah. It's either way, there's a lot, a lot of anxiety involved. You know, if you make enough money, you gotta like worry about taxes. So that's another thing that you can worry about. Uh, I worry about my health, actually. That's one thing that I worry about. Um, you eat poorly? It's a balance. Sometimes I'll eat like yeah, I go divinely. In, I and, go in waves. Yeah. Like, it's really extreme. It's like one, one week it'll just be like straight alkaline meals. And like the next week I'm like, let's get a cheesesteak. You know? <laughs> cheesesteak. <So, laughs> um, it's interesting that the things that worry you, like emails and money, uh, it's like outside world stuff. It's yeah. not, it's leaving this room. Exactly. It's leaving. It's leaving it's, the moment. Dude, it's the kids knocking at the door. Right. That are asking you to do something that you're not totally psyched to do. Yeah. Damn, that's a really great way of reeling it back in. That's true. I would have to agree with how you put it like that. Can you create on mushrooms? Create? Um, no. I've tried. Like, I've tried to, like... Uh, Isn't that how, like, Quasimodo was made? I think maybe he... Yeah. It was. Right? I'm not sure if he was microdosing or if he was, like, heavy dosing, but... Okay. He was <laughs> doing a lot. Shane says he was not microdosing. <laughs> that, yeah, I can't... That I can't do. I just gotta, like... I don't, I just leave my body at that point. If you, if you do enough, like, I mm-hmm. just need to give this physical, you know, spaceship a rest and just like, you know, fully let go. I feel like if you're like still trying to be connected to this world, it can kind of like hinder mm-hmm. the experience. But I've microdosed and made music and that shit is amazing. Cause it's like you can still function, but you see just like, unlimited depth in everything and like in all directions of perception and having that while you're like creating something in the physical world is like that's you're like directly plugged in is there an album or a song album that you can think of that that, i've made uh, no nothing that i put out on on record oh so you haven't put that out no yeah it's just been like experimenting Mm. Uh, more so recently like within the past like year uh, uh, experienced or experimented with microdosing. So yeah. most of the creating's done sober. Yeah, just smoking weed. Yeah, smoking some trees, drinking some water. A lot uh, of water wa- involved. Water's healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you make of the like current trend of like everyone DJing? 
right on par with the current trend of everyone producing and everyone making music. It's just something else that's been more accessible for people due to the technology. And, uh, it's, it's the same way I feel about the music thing. It's like, it's a good and a bad thing because, because it's accessible. It's like, you know, the kid that wishes he could DJ can DJ now, you know, but then like you got all these other kids that are like, yeah, I want to do it too. So you get like, um, an influx or a oversaturation of people doing the same thing. So it's a, it's a good and a bad thing. Hmm. Do you feel like too many people are doing the thing you're doing? I don't know. Um, are you, uh, there's a lot of people that are doing the thing that I want to do. Oh, who's that? Which is like, bands just like playing in a band and um yeah so i don't know (laughs) you're not are you you don't strike me as like a competitive dude not at all man uh i i hung out with a lot of like athletic competitive people growing up and like i know at this point like that's not my place to to be like competitive and be like yeah come on (laughs) it's so weird but you know, respect to those people because that's like a whole nother beast in itself. But for me personally, like I, I enjoyed playing sports, but I'm not the competitive type. Mm-hmm. I think that's why like music is perfect. <laughs> you know, there's no competition. There's that's, it's weird. Like there is competition in music, though. Mm. Like that's the money part that we're, that that you hate, right? But I in, yeah, in music business, right? The music yeah. business, and which is why you gotta watch that Nina Simone clip because mm-hmm. she someone yells in the audience, like play this, and she's like, "No, you're not talking about music. You're talking about the business. I'm mm. not. A, my business is not the business." Is what she says. Mm-hmm. It's like fuck, man. Yeah, that's it right there. Yeah, there you go. That's what you want to do. Exactly. Are you someone who has like, like, could you be here? For the rest of your life? And still be making stuff and be okay? Like here? This house. Yeah. In this house, in the L- city. LA? <laughs> um, maybe not in this house, but LA is definitely up there in the ranks of like places that I would like to live for a while. You like know? what do you see? Like you and Shane, f- 45. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what, what's that going to look like, you think? Oh man, hopefully just be able to travel wherever I want to, you know, at that point, like, it's just about like seeing as much of the world as you can, you know, still, yeah, 45 is still young, you can still be traveling. You it's know? still young. So yeah. Do you have like a mantra? Um, I should, but I, I don't, <laughs> it probably changes throughout, you know. Mm. Throughout life. What's the, right now, like, the way you want to live? Like, the guiding principle that's like... Probably, like I said earlier, just everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like a fear or an anxiety, you can apply that mantra to any of those situations. Like, everything's going to be cool, you know? it's It'll always be cool. Even if it's going to be shitty for a little bit, like, it's followed by coolness. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> exactly it. Even if it's bad right now, it's not yeah. going to be bad forever. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's the mantra. Well, uh, thanks for doing this, man. Yo, thanks. Appreciate your time, man. 
Well, there it is. A special thanks to Shane Sakanoi for arranging this interview and Alima Jennings for the hospitality. Shoutouts also to Stone's Throw, who put out Mind Design's latest record, Body Wash, out in stores now. You can find that and the rest of his discography on Spotify, Bandcamp, iTunes, and wherever else you find music. If you're in Denver, Philadelphia, or Brooklyn this month, look out for some of those upcoming dates to see him perform live. Lastly, a big thanks to Mind Design, Ringo, the man himself, for coming on the show. People. To those listening to the podcast for the first time, you should consider checking out some of our past episodes with folks like Mac DeMarco, Donnie Trumpet, and Esperanza Spalding. If you enjoyed what you heard or you've been enjoying what we've been putting out, as always, please think about writing a couple words about us on iTunes. Each positive sentence written helps new listeners find the show. If you're not doing so already, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to email the show at talkeasypod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at talkeasypod, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. As always, those sounds you're hearing right now come from our friend Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna. Social media by Maria Mayella. The show is produced and edited by Corey Atad. I'm your host, Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy, and I'll see you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts.